Welcome, and thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. Uh, James chapter 4, 4 through 17. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that the scripture speaks to no purpose? Does the spirit that God caused to dwell in us desire envy? But God gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Phoebe. Thank you. So we're in a sermon series, um, and we are finishing it up really close to the end of it. Um, We've been working our way through the whole book of James, um, nine imperatives. I'm not going to review every one, um, because I don't remember them in order, or I don't even remember. But uh, today, um, James says um, for us to give up. Um, So uh, Gary came to mind this week as I pondered the scripture of James. And as long as I knew Gary... Uh, let me give you a picture of him. Uh, he had white hair. Um, it's thinning a bit on top. A white mustache. White hair, which he wore longer than most people wear in church wear their hair. Um, all the way down to his collar. Uh, and he got away with it, though, because he was an artist. Right? 
um, a potter, to be precise. He had the remnants of an accent uh, born and raised into adolescence in southwest Scotland, which he would describe as itself as as this artist colony. And I just really enjoyed Gary. I, I mean, he's a character, but I enjoyed him. Um, eccentric, but he was such a nice guy. Um, he, and I believe he was the proof that someone from a church like the one we were a part of, um, someone from a church on the edge of Research Triangle Park, could be an artist like Gary and feel at home there. Occasionally, too, um, he would arrive late to worship. That was often he would arrive late to worship. Artists do, right? Um, Wearing his workshop clothes often. Uh, And this church made room for Gary. He did, though, he would share about how other churches did not. Apparently, though, he had told me about um, a time when he came it's part of the reason why he's been wrestling with church for so long, wrestling with whether he has a place in the church. Um, he came when he was an art student with, in clothes that were covered in paint, and, and a woman turned around and looked at him disapprovingly and said, Are you saved, son? Well, Gary is no longer living, and um, I don't actually know what happened, um, but he... I heard from a friend who heard from a friend that, that, that Gary died about three years ago. But his work now sells in coffee shops and breweries, which is a huge scene in Durham right now. He, his work now sells for increasing amounts of money in the Raleigh-Durham area. When I knew him, he was like hand to mouth. And now he's a bit of a legend. Over the years, he had Um, a lot of church people who would come to see him do his potter thing. Um, And they would always come, these people who knew their Bibles well, and almost every time someone would see him and they would act like they're saying the most clever thing that had ever been said to a potter. Um, They would quote the prophet Jeremiah and they would say, Gary, to Gary, you know, smiling with satisfaction in themselves, you know, Gary, as the Lord said to Jeremiah, come, go down to the potter's house. And so we're here, Gary. And they would say this every time they saw Gary, thinking it was hilarious. Uh, And Gary would grin kindly at them as if he had never heard that before, right? And Gary's wheel was actually kind of, it was um, handmade. uh, It's not one you could find everywhere. It was portable. And so he could kind of fold it up in a way and he could fit it in the back of his, his kind of battered Ford and he used it to take around to various church events sometimes too. And he was so good with kids. That's how he would use it most of the time with kids. He, he would set up his wheel and he would slap some clay on the wheel and he would dip his hands in the water and he would say, one day the Lord told Jeremiah, <laughs> I told you he knew the story, right? Um, they didn't know. Uh, and those church people underestimated him all the time. He would say, come down and go to the potter's house. And as he told the story, as he's molding, molding, he would build this beautiful pot, but he had secretly put in the clay a stone in, into the lump of clay. 
And so when he would begin to thin it out, I don't even, I, I don't even know if this movement is right. I don't even know what I'm doing. I, you, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> I don't know, it's like, I'm doing something here that doesn't feel right, I don't know what that movement is. But as, as, the, as it would begin to thin out and it would start to wobble and wobble and then it would um, start to buckle and, and then it would collapse. It, it would crumble into this mess on the wheel. And like, so kids who started in wonder would always end in like a look of complete disappointment. What happened? Like, I thought he was really good at this. And, uh, and Gary would then find the stone in the clay and he would pull it out and he'd say something like, that's what the Lord does for us. And then he would build the pot again, this time straight and true, right? And Gary, um, he's this like shy and kind and humble man, um, super warm-hearted, sincere, an artist in a church that couldn't make sense of artists ever. And he was beloved for it. And so when I read James 4 today, this week, I thought of Gary. And mainly the reason why I thought of Gary was because when I read James 4, I thought of Jeremiah. I thought of the prophet Jeremiah's words um, in and, and, and Jeremiah 18, come down and go to the, the potter's house. Um, now, I'm not sure of Gary's Old Testament interpretation, that whole thing he does with kids. Um, I'm not sure his Old Testament interpretation was as good as, he, as his pottery, but um, it's quite, I think it's quite a big leap to go from Jeremiah in the potter's house to Jesus dying on the cross and taking the stone out of your clay. But I, in all honesty, Jeremiah, the biggest thing about this is it's not much of a children's story. And he was using this over and over again, his little demonstration with his clay and Jeremiah. It's not a children's story. Um, it's not an easy picture of God at all. If you read the words of the prophet, you'll find that Israel as a society was unable to face kind of the mirror that Jeremiah was holding up to them to show them who they were. They were unable to face it. And so much um, so, much so that, that at the end of Jeremiah 18, we get these words. Let's see these words. The end of Jeremiah we get, yet you, O Lord, no, while they're plotting to kill me, they're now plotting to kill Jeremiah because of all the things he's told them how to turn from their wicked ways and turn towards God. No, they're plotting to kill me. Do not for forgive them. Do not blot out their sin from your sight. Let them be tripped up before you and deal with them with your anger. Um, this, is, this is not a children's story. And, but I applaud Jerry for trying to make it so. Jeremiah does not give us an easy picture of God. And I think that's why it came to mind, because um, James 4 today does not give us an easy picture of God either. The rest of James has been okay. This one, um, it's hard to read. We read Jeremiah and, and James within the cover of, of our Bible, um, within the canon of scripture, we read it, and so it's tempting to assume that his words have been neatly folded into our religious traditions now. You know, Gary, the Lord said, go down to the potter's house. But when we actually read these words, I doubt they knew what was in the rest of Jeremiah 18. When you read these words out loud, we realize that they can, they can be deeply disturbing to us, holding up this mirror that we don't want to look into. 
confronting us with a reflection that we don't, we're not ready to face about ourselves. And so did you hear the words in James today as Phoebe read them? Um, let's look at them again. Uh, so it says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And then it goes on, do not speak evil against one another. Um, Whoever speaks evil speaks evil against the law and the judges of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And then this part, like there is only one lawgiver. You are not the judge. The judge, there's only one judge who is able to save, one judge who is able to destroy. And so who are you to judge others? And then this last part, which is probably the part that is the hardest to digest for us. Um, Come now. Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money, yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist. You're just a mist. You're just a hunk of clay. You're just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, because you're just a mist, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. If you don't do this, as it says in the end, and you know it, you commit sin. One of my favorite um, theologians says that when we come to a place like this in worship, we are being trained in the skill of naming the presence of God. We are being trained here in the skill of naming the presence of God. As we read the scriptures, as we read prophecy and poetry and psalms and engage with the history, as we encounter Abraham and and Miriam and Rahab and Ruth and, and Jonah and Jeremiah, time after time we are being given new new glimpses into who into who God is and how God's at work in the world of God's presence and God's absence, God's blessing and God's judgment in times of celebration and in times of oppression. As we come to a place like this to, to get familiar with how to find the presence of God. We're being trained in this skill of naming the presence of God and sometimes the word will be shaping and forming us for where we are here and now. It will, it will feel right to us for, for what is right in front of our faces, but other times it's going to feel so alien to us. We struggle to imagine it ever being relevant to our lives now. One, of, one we struggle to imagine, but it becomes part of our spiritual repertoire part of our skill set, part of our, our imagination. And then we trust the Holy Spirit will bring it back to us at some time in the future, down, down the road, when we actually need to have heard that that we heard today. Which means on, on a day like today, when we read the words from James that challenge us to kind of give up our control to submit, to repent, to cleanse your hands, to humble yourself, to remember that you're not the judge, to call us to lament when we are in fact 
laughing the day away or and to call us to laugh when we are in fact wallowing in lament, to stop boasting of our arrogance, to realize that it is only the Lord who wishes that we will do this or that. And we give up whatever picture that we've painted of God in our heads and we give up whatever picture we've painted of ourselves in our heads that is not an accurate reflection of who we are and whose we are. And we give up control over the next year and over all the mess of our lives and we give it to God. On a day like today when James challenges us to give up, to let go of all that, we may have to gird our loins and dare to, to look in the mirror that James holds up for us and our world. The same mirror that Jeremiah was holding up, which is a great image for us today if we read this. The image of the, that potter's wheel. It's not an easy one either. You're mere mist or you're just a hunk of clay For a start, we, we like to be involved, right? We like to make the choices. We like to shape our own destiny. We like to be in control. It feels disconcerting to be compared to a lump of clay, to a mere mist. You're just the clay. We like to be more than clay, don't we? I want to be more than clay. But we're just clay. And some of us might be tempted to stop reading right there. But the thing about the Bible is that there are many, many, many stories, right? And if this is preparing us, teaching us the skill of knowing the presence of God, we know that the great thing about the Bible is that there are so many stories and pictures of God in it. And most of the stories throughout the Bible, Israel was no lump of clay, right? In other scriptures, we will find Israel complaining and lamenting and raging at God. What, what's going on, God? Are you asleep, God? Can't, can't you see what's happening to us, God? We don't have to be dumb everyday clay, just a mere mist every day which is just as well, because it's, it's not comfortable being clay. You need a lot of trust in God's goodness, especially when that pot is not looking so good right now, and it starts to wobble and starts to collapse. Are, are, you, sh are you sure your hands are, are on us, God? Your good hand, God, like, are you sure of that? If the Lord wishes, he will do this or that. But what, what is this or that, God? <laughs> and is God wishing to actually do it for me? And God whispers, give it up. Loosen your elbows. Let me, let me put my hands on yours. And no, this isn't just... <laughs> another corny, like, Jesus takes the wheel kind of command. It's, this is the potter gently laying his hands on top of your hands. This is, this is the, the very breath of God breathing into your mid-mist 
This is the, the, the potter gently laying his hands on top of your, yours and, and just saying, submit. Let go. Let your hands become my hands. My hands become your hands, right? Until you see this beautiful thing that I'm molding your life to be. Give up. In a few minutes, um, Brett and the band are gonna lead in in this song that I think is um, a song for us this new year. Um, it's, it's calling us into this posture of kind of letting go of whatever we have, um, whatever God we've made, whatever version of ourself we've made, and giving it, letting it up, let it, letting go of, of that God. And, and so would you pray with me and, and then let that be a continued prayer. God, we, we come before you and we Gosh, there's so many things that lead us to, to, to not be just a hunk of clay, um, that lead us to not be this vessel that you can form us into, but, but that lead us to, to stand up and say, God, where are you? How, how are, I, I don't see you here. What, what is going on, God? Are you here? Do you have favor for us or not? God, we pray for everywhere in our world right now where, where, where weather and, and fires and destruction and just kind of the, the utter nonsense and destruction that happens that we can't make sense of. We pray for Maui and we pray for California and we pray for that whole coast there. Um, we pray for every place that, where people are just asking, God, where are you? You say submit, you say give it up, but, but I don't see you here. And we ask that you just place your hands on their hands and help them, give, give them the skill of, of witnessing the presence of God with them where they are. And put your hands on their hands, God, and and help them begin to see the beauty that you are making, even in dust. And maybe that's, that, maybe that's what you're doing, God, in other lives here. Maybe there are other people in this room who are in need of you to put your hands on their hands. Not that you ask us to, to give up the wheel entirely, but to give up our hold on our own clay. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, who meets us there and who teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.